Views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lathea Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Welcome to Nightlight Radio. The Nightlight is Alethea Bible Fellowship's late-night biblical counseling program. For the next hour, you can call in, text, or message, email us at counseling at abfpdx.org, or you can video chat us, if you so wish, over Facebook Messenger. Our phone number is 971-208-5290, and our chat profiles should be in the link. We're here to have relevant and biblical problem-solving conversations about the difficult issues that nobody really prefers to talk about. So if you or someone you know needs help, talk to us. The camera will be on for the next hour or so. I'm Pastor Josh with ABF's Chaplains in Training. This is Jacob and Justine. And hiding in the control booth, as always, is producer Jasmine. So uh, <coughs> let's go ahead and do this. Wow, that took me. That was hard to get. That was hard to get through the opening. Um, so we are back on live, and we are talking. We're talking about a subject. Um, that has a different name, but we put up the term lack of motivation. That was the term that we put up. The name for it is avolition or avolition. Um, so volition means like will, essentially. And so avolition would be like willpower, like a lack of willpower. And so that is basically what we're going to talk about today. Um, so we actually have a decent amount of questions to talk through in the hour that we have. Um, just looking through the notes, show notes that we have here. Uh, yeah, a decent amount of questions. So let's just jump into it. So when we're, when we're talking about avolition or a lack of motivation, um, we are talking about uh, basically a, de a decrease in the ability to initiate and persist in self-directed purposeful activities. That is a long way of saying um, what we're talking about is a lack of motivation, that people don't have the willpower to, to sort of go on. Um, and when this happens, why this is an issue is that your daily life can be sort of neglected. Uh, things that would normally be routine are oftentimes upended, and um, it can really affect things like social activities and things like that. Um, so like people who are experiencing this are people maybe who you know, used to be outgoing, but now they're staying at home all the time or um, sleeping in uh, more than usual um, instead of like seeking out meaningful peer relationships and meaningful interactions. So, and it's not that they, it's not that the person who's going through this doesn't have a desire to to complete these tasks. It's that they are unmotivated. They're uncompelled to initiate the behaviors that that start them. Um, so, abolition is oftentimes seen as connected to really two specific disorders. So, the one is schizophrenia, um, and then the other is depression. And I'd say that's probably where we encounter this the most, where you, like, hear people who aren't really um, motivated to do anything. Oftentimes people say that's a sign of depression. Well, it can be. It can be a sign of a couple different things. But the main thing that we want to take 
from it in this discussion is just understanding that it can also be its own thing, um, which is important to the discussion. So um, let's see if you guys want to throw in there. Yeah. <clears throat> so earlier today I was thinking about it, and uh, there's a couple things that um, popped into my brain as like examples for it, and uh, I kind of caught myself thinking uh, with abolition in terms of doing graffiti, mm -hmm. because that's something that I look at as a hobby. Not, not like illegal graffiti. Yeah, it's on a piece of paper. Yeah. And with that being said, <laughs> uh, if I was to continue doing graffiti, I would just have a notebook full of tags, you know, and like thinking about that, I'm like, what's the point? Like, why is that even like no one cares? And then with that, I wasn't motivated to do graffiti anymore. And <laughs> that's a small example, but just to like after having that thought, um, me and my wife literally uh, started a project together where I'm drawing graffiti on a canvas right now. And so obviously, I'm not living with, it, with that thought actively, but it is a thought that I had. So I think it's safe to say that it's pretty common that those things pop into our heads. But the problem is, is when we take it that far where I'm like, no, I'm not going to do graffiti because pretty soon I'm just going to have so many different like illustrations that that's all I'll have. And there's no point. I'm not going to do it. Well, I, and I think it goes further than that. It's not just to like, I have no, um, it's not just that I'll have a lot of something or that I hear, I have a fear of missing out because there's so much, you know, like when I'm scanning through Netflix or something, mm -hmm. it is it specifically speaks to like the heart of the individual that life becomes meaningless. Mm -hmm. So it's like, w not just what is the point of this particular activity, but then if there's no point to this particular activity, then what's the point of any activity? Right. Um, that's sort of where that goes. Mm -hmm. So it stops them in their tracks. Did you want to add anything specifically? No, not at the moment. Okay. Um, so there's, like I said, it can be a symptom of schizophrenia and um, it can be a symptom of depression and it also has connections um, scientists believe to um, like different types of drugs and stuff th uh, that can cause it. Um, yeah, let's see. There's a, there's a link specifically to dopamine in it. Um, dopamine is uh, basically it connects to the brain's reward system. And so like you become stimulated when you, um, all sorts of different things, um, <clears throat> like any sort of like uh, reward. So like when you get a like, for instance, on your phone, uh, you get a hit of dopamine, like your, your brain, like gives you a chemical hit of it. Um, people can become addicted to that actually. Um, so, but basically the theory is that, a drop in dopamine causes abolition. And then um, when you have less dopamine, then you have less motivation. So like, you know, let's say that you're uh, constantly posting to a blog or something like that, but you, you, you know, get a couple hits in the beginning of that. And then um, on the blog, you get like a couple likes or something, and then you just get no likes. Well, then you're less motivated to continue doing that because, um, uh, maybe you started the blog like just wanting to write for you, but then you started to write for those hits, and then it becomes connected 
to your sense of self-worth and sense of value and so on and so forth. So you're like, what's the point? Um, yeah. And so sometimes people will think what's the point if they don't get rewarded for it. Um, yeah, I, I actually had yeah, thought go for on it. that when, when we were reading into that more and I had this, I don't know, this weird theory or um, thought about it is, and it kind of goes back to when we were talking about tech addiction Mm -hmm. And how, you know, when you are on Snapchat or whatever the different things are and you're getting likes or you're watching, um, gosh, what is that one called? Not Tumblr. Oh, TikTok. And everything's like fast paced and quick and there's a lot of reward. And yeah. so your dopamine is right. like spiked. It's like high and you're getting all these rewards. And then, you know, you put your phone down and then you're like trying to fold your laundry or I don't know, clean out the car or just like normal tasks and there isn't a lot of reward. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of reward from it because you go from all this like hyper stimulation, yeah, hyper stimulation to, well, now you have to fold the laundry or clean your desk or whatever. And it doesn't feel as exciting or as rewarding. So then there can be, in my mind, it makes sense that there be a lack of motivation for those like daily tasks when mm. we have this like, um, all the social media and all these other things that can feel so much more rewarding for our brain and kind of trick us. So that's kind of what I was thinking about when I read that part. Yeah. Um, <coughs> you can also, yeah, that's a really good point. I, th I just, right before this broadcast, I just sent a like meme to, to my group thread. Um, and, uh, it was like kids who were born in like the 1950s to the 1980s and like the difference between this generation. And it was like, it was actually really, like really interesting. Like, you know, you don't, we didn't grow up with, uh, you know, all sorts of things, everything from video games to, or at least I did, but there was like playing at my rich friend's house sort of thing. Mm. Um, but we didn't, you know, we, like now it's like, what will I do if my child is, you know, if my child, like, if I can't get in touch with them, but, like, back in the day, that's, like, all that it was. Right. You know. Well, yeah, I lived, like, out in, on a farm. It's, like, you would just be outside, like, playing all day long. And you yeah. wouldn't, like, see your parents until, like, dinner time or something. Yeah. You'd be, like, out with your friends just hanging out, and you wouldn't talk to your parents until you got home. Yep. And if you had a problem, you had to solve it. Yeah. <laughs> instead of, you know, having it solved for you or, like you know, texting somebody or looking on, you know, Wikipedia or something into how to solve it. There's a lot of uh, immediate stimulation that plays into this. And so um, what we're, we're really seeing is that it's a huge problem. Kids are being unmotivated. Um, so right. among the younger generations to like do anything really, um, <clears throat> which is why we wanted to talk about it. Um, so yeah, people also because it's related to dopamine, people who also don't get enough mental stimulation just in general um, can also suffer from that too. Um, so, okay, Let, uh, let's talk about some of the effects. So the implications from abolition often result in social deficits. So... Um, not being able to initiate and perform tasks uh, for you to be able to like operate in society, that's a big thing. Um, 
disrupting interactions with familiar and unfamiliar people is a big thing. Um, let's see. It can lead to physical and mental inability to both initiate and maintain relationships as well as simple tasks like work, eat, drink, or sleep. Um, and let's see. I'll just read what the note says. Clinically, it may be difficult to engage an individual experiencing abolition in active participation in psychotherapy, uh, which is just counseling, basically, secular counseling. So um, <coughs> patients are also faced with the stresses of coping with and accepting a mental illness and the stigma that often accompanies such a diagnosis and its symptoms, uh, like, for instance, schizophrenia, which there's no, um, let's see, no treatments with proven eff efficacy for primary negative symptoms. So... Yeah. Um, so, like, if you're schizophrenic and then you have abolition, there's really nothing they can do. Can do about it, yeah. You're just kind of stuck with that diagnosis, yeah. and um, that's really difficult. So, and a lot of those things um, uh, lead to just this feeling that you're kind of stuck, that you'll never get better, um, which is why you have less and less drive to to move toward that. Um so, yeah, that's kind of like the intro to the subject. And we have a lot of questions and a lot to go over in terms of questions. So we're just going to kind of dive into the questions unless you guys want to talk a little bit, unless you have something you want to talk about in regard to it. I think a key uh, theme is the um, feeling of hopelessness. Um, and when we're like transferring from the uh, secular viewpoint into the biblical um you find that lack of motivation is very prevalent when people do not understand why they're here in the first place or what their purpose is um or what the point of life is and so i can definitely see that easily becoming um just their own religion altogether where uh, they're living based off of finding the point of life and so i think it's a good transitional period to figure out what that is and the bible provides that yeah, so um, basically what we're getting at is if – well, now, now would be a good time because we're going to start to answer questions. Um, but if you're watching this broadcast and you are somebody who knows somebody or yourself are somebody, whatever, um, who knows somebody who struggles with sort of finding the point in doing things, um, you struggle with thinking that anything you do really adds up to anything – um, and therefore you have a hard time getting out of bed or um, like initiating a relationship. Um, that's a big one. Uh, sort of these things that aren't quite depression but still are holding you back from experiencing life, mm -hmm. then this might be something that you're having an issue with. And so I would just encourage you right now, like if, if there's somebody, uh, maybe a group that you're a part of or somebody is having – uh, having these issues or working through it, then, um, you know, this show is really for you. So uh, please, you know, share this, uh, whether this is live or, or not. Um, <coughs> and, and then we'll get started. So let's uh, hit some of the questions. So the first question is, what does the Bible say about staying motivated for something you don't want to do? And does that change depending on what your goal is? Um, this was an anonymous question that we got a little bit earlier. So I had some time to study 
uh, it because a lot of times we don't have time. But I'm just without looking at the notes. What do you guys think? Well, my first thought when I hear that, well, okay, the first question, what does the Bible say about mm-hmm. staying motivated for something you don't want to do? Uh, I just always want to talk to the person. I'm just like, do it. what, <laughs> like, what's the thing that you aren't wanting to do? Is it something as simple as like your laundry? Or is it like you're afraid to talk to a girl that you like? Or, or if you're my daughter, it's washing your feet before you go to bed. Yeah, like what's I just I'm always just so curious, like more thoughts on like why the person's asking the question. So that was my that was my first thought, but I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying you feel unmotivated to answer the question or Oh, I don't know. That was just a <laughs> thought I had. <laughs> right. <coughs> oh, okay. Producer Jasmine on it tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. Um <coughs> Yeah, what does the Bible say about staying motivated for something that you don't want to do? Jacob, did you have any thoughts without looking at the notes off the top of your head? Yeah, I had a thought, and it was immediately um, Christ and his example, but then I looked at the notes, and it's mentioned. So, <laughs> I mean, you could speak off the cuff. Go ahead. Okay, well, basically— No cheating. Yeah, Okay. Um, I immediately thought of Christ talking directly to uh, the Father right before um, the crucifixion, asking uh, God to take this cup from me. And um, that's all you need right there. He didn't want to do that. He knew he had to, um, and uh, so much so that he, like, was bursting with sweat of blood right out of angst his, knowing that his capillaries burst yeah uh, with the knowledge of what he had to go through and even the depth of it um his whole ministry was based off of knowing that his time is short um because of what he has to go through um for us and so no he did not want to do that but also, I don't really want to do the dishes every Saturday morning, you know? <laughs> uh, I don't really have a good mindset waking up all the time, but it's always uh, like a discipline to train your mind to find the, the example of Christ in everyday living. Um, so you ask God to take this from me, um, allow me to serve you, glorify you, don't let my will overbear yours let your will be done. And that's exactly what Christ said to the Father. Uh, so when you're doing the dishes, are you asking God to take that burden from you if it's his will? That's not what I'm saying. Oh. I mean, that's what Christ was saying. Well, I mean, like... Not about the dishes, but... I'm not going to not do the dishes. Right. But I'm going to have a better attitude about why I'm doing it. Right. Yeah, I think people don't understand that passage like so many passages about christ they don't understand that passage that passage is a really interesting passage because it actually speaks to the uniqueness of the will of the of christ um people are like well how can he like how does that work he's god and he's talking to god and this is where we get into like a very slight discussion of the trinity but the long and short of it is that god the father has a will and god the son has a will also. 
and the incarnate, you know, Jesus Christ, at that moment, he wanted to live. He didn't want to die. However, that is a secondary reality to the full will of, um, uh, to the will that he was going to actuate. And his deepest motivation was to do his father's will. And um, so it's not to say that you can't have um, a secondary will. It's not to say that you have to, like, take up your cross, so to say, um, like, with a giant smile on your face. Uh, <laughs> um, that's not being said. But um, it is to say that ultimately, as Justine pointed out, why does it matter? Um, or does, or rather, does it matter that you don't want to do something? So the question was, what does the Bible say about staying motivated for something that you don't want to do? And does that change depending on what your goal is? So the first thing is, no, um, it doesn't matter what you want to do. Um, in terms of staying motivated, I think that uh, Jacob, you know, points out that the way that Christ did that was he put his emphasis on what God wanted and not himself. Um, God the Father, sorry, on what God the Father wanted and not what God the Son wanted in that particular moment. And so I think that in terms of what the Bible says about staying motivated, it to stay motivated, you have to find your motivation in something other than yourself. And I think that... <clears throat> That comes down to um, understanding that our will as humans, so not speaking to Christ who was human, but he was sinless, um, you know, born of a virgin and all of that. Um, our, our will is from our hearts and our hearts are wicked, according to the scripture, Jeremiah 17, 9 specifically, says that our um, hearts are are wicked. So we have to be careful what we specifically want to do, which is why it's important that we pray for the Lord's will to be done in our lives, um, which is what he was quoting. And that's Luke 22. I have a thought. Yeah. So um, I just want to be clear on um, what happened after uh, Christ had that prayer. Um, Cause he's with the disciples and he asked them to pray um, to get out of temptation. They fell asleep. Um, they weren't able to do that. And he was praying, and uh, he did that prayer um, right after the Last Supper. Um, but then uh, he faced that the penalty of sins uh, with meekness, and he was under control even being um suffering like suffered or um tortured um so it's not that after you pray to god to you know take this cup or uh, let your will be done you just sit there in your bed like yeah you need to recognize exactly what it means that let your will be done it's not my will your will is to sit in bed his will is to get up and get out of bed and make it and brush your teeth and go take on the day. Um, so when you ask him to l let his will be done, you also need to help him in that and um, let the call to action 
take place, not to sleep, but to keep going, to move. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if help him is the right theological way of saying it, but you need to partner with him yeah. um, in doing that for sure because, it, like, it serves him no ultimate purpose, right, whether you get out of bed. He's going he's gonna to make happen what he wants to happen, but he wants to partner with us. Like, mm-hmm. God wants to partner with us. Um, yeah, so... Um, so yeah, Luke 22, he talked about, you know, take this cup from me. Um, and Christ actually teaches us to pray this way. Matthew six, Matthew six, 10 talks about, um, specifically in the Lord's prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is it? You know, the disciples ask him, what is it that we should be praying for? Well, it's his will. It's his will because our hearts are wicked. Um, and, um, yeah, and then the last thing on that particular question, what does the Bible say about staying motivated for something that you don't want to do, is that um, we should want to do what God <laughs> wants us to do, right? And we should want the things that God wants us to want. So that's a, also a part of staying motivated, is oftentimes I feel like when we're not motivated to do something like, I don't know, go to church, mm-hmm. read your Bible, um, you know, turn the other cheek when somebody mistreats you, um, love your enemies, um, or just straight up love your neighbors. Um, oftentimes when we're unmotivated to do those things, it's not because we were always unmotivated. It's because slowly but surely our, our focus has shifted away from what we once were motivated toward. You know, like when people first become Christians, they're totally you know they're on fire as as we put it you know they're on fire for Christ and they're they're sold out to the things that Christ represents but over time we just have this tendency in our laziness in our humanity to sort of veer away from that and all of a sudden i got to be convinced that church is more important than this football game or i got to be convinced that reading the bible is more important than checking my facebook feeds or my stocks for the day or you know, the news app or whatever it is. Um, you know, I have to be convinced to treat my wife gently instead of, um, you know, harshly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, God wants us to... God wants us to want what he wants. And... Um, not to you know shameless plug you here it'll probably be several 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 months maybe even years before i get to james chapter four in um heart scribe verse by verse um which there's another one one just aired last week and then there's another one airing in not this weekend but the week after um but in james chapter four when we actually get there one of the things he says is you ask but don't receive because you ask the wrong way Mm. and you ask for the wrong things with the wrong intentions. Um, So there's this idea that our motivation has to be right to receive the right blessings. Um, Yeah. So we should want what God wants. Anybody, you guys have any other thoughts on? I have some, some thoughts. Um, So just thinking about, um, you know, if you, are living for God and you have that perspective and you find yourself 
like having a hard time with your motivation in like your job or school or I don't know, taking care of your family or whatever it is. But I'm more thinking like job and school, like sometimes we just need a refresher. Like, yeah, why are you doing that job? Are you maybe like not hearing like a different calling or you just kind of like stuck in this rut where you like think that's just what you have to do and you're not like reaching out your to your support system and asking other questions like there could be a reason why you're starting to feel that way and then another side of it could be maybe you're just not being thankful for the things that mm -hmm. God has given you so there's like different levels I feel like mm -hmm. to definitely explore and like the motivation side of things yeah I think that being thankful is a huge one. Yeah. Um, also, uh, as Christians, or just, well, as, yeah, as Christians, we're called to be consistent in our faith. Um, but then as humans, we are inconsistent. And um, we always tend to uh, stumble very hard when we realize we've made a mistake. And uh, that can cause someone to really doubt their faith or to uh, question why they're acting upon their faith. Um, but consistency, consistency uh, shows us that we need to continue to remember what Christ did for us um, and how God connected us to him. And also uh, stay consistent in the scriptures and in church um, and your body um, recognizing how you are plugged in uh, with the gifts that you've been given uh, to help motivate others to do the same thing. I mean, if you do stay consistent in that, you um, it, it becomes uh, more of a defining thing for you as who you are uh, as Christ has changed you. But um, if you let your mistakes define who you are, of course, you're going to not be consistent in Christ. You're going to let those things overpower you. Those things are not um, godly, though. Like, those things are going to try to keep you to fall over and over again. So being consistent in who Christ is, knowing that um, he's already covered those things, um, he just calls us to be like him, uh, it, would, it would be wise for us to recognize exactly what that calling is for us. And so you find that in scripture and um, with that church body. Yeah, I think the term in scripture that we want to use here to talk about um, consistency to the character of God, to the, the doctrines involved, to his church body, to all these things is faithful, right? We want to be faithful. Um, and that means that that includes being consistent um, it also includes this element of hope involved in it that um, we are thankful for what is to come. Um, we can let it motivate us. Our faith can motivate us. We're thankful for what's to come because we have a realization that everything that God gives us is good. Um, and so though I may not see what is happening is a good thing, I have faith in the character of God and his ability to follow through. And, uh, yeah, that, you know, that, that he's good. 
um, and that it will be good for me. And I think when you're talking about a lack of motivation, you're talking about abolition and a person like not having any willpower toward that um, and um, being able to not being able to stay motivated. Oftentimes what you're looking at is uh, a hole in that person's faith where they somewhere along the way have lost sight of the character of God mm. um, in that process. Um, you know, somewhere along the way they're saying, mm, I, I don't, I can't really do this, can I? Um, you know, so if you're, uh, we've dealt with a bunch of issues this, this um, year over the last several episodes. Um, so if you're somebody who struggles, for instance, with pornography, um, then the temptation would be to not even try to keep yourself from doing that. Um, because what is the point? You know, well, the moment you say, what's the point? Because you've screwed up, you know, before and you're just going to screw up again. So like, why even try? The moment you say, what's the point is it means that you've lost sight of victory in Christ. You've lost sight of the idea that God will do a work in you and that he is doing a work in you. Same thing with self-harm. You know, what's the point? I'm just going to harm myself again. Um, so I'm just going to get depressed about it, you know, and, and maybe even lean into it. Um, and, uh, and everything's going to get bland and I'm not going to do anything except for those things that harm me. Um, again, like what you're looking at is semi-related to, to worship. You know, it's like you've, you've forgotten who God is in, in that process. Um, so yeah, what does the Bible say about staying motivated for something you don't want to do? Does that change depending on what your goal is? I, I mean, obviously you can tell it's somewhat of a complicated question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess our answer basically is it doesn't really matter in terms of what you want to do. It matters in terms of what God wants you to do. And um, how you stay in it. I think logically, based upon what we're talking about, how you stay motivated toward the thing that you should be doing is to be in relationship with, um, you know, where you get that motivation from. So uh, in regard to God, it's like in regard to morality, for instance, how could you possibly stay motivated toward being moral if you have no um, basis for your morality? Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, like I've. I've dealt with a lot of what we call sexual immorality within the within the Christian church. And specifically, you oftentimes have people who grow up in the church who have a relationship with the culture of the church, which says that sex outside of marriage is wrong, but they themselves don't have an understanding of sex as related to God they don't understand it as an actual moral issue. It's just it goes against the cultural mores. And so when they actually get the opportunity to have sex, um, they just take it because they – because they um, – their thought process on sex wasn't informed by a relationship with God that dictated purity. So, I mean – how do you stay strong 
um, by being in the word, by being in a relationship with God, by, by allowing God to be the basis for which you are motivated. That's really the answer to it. Um, <clears throat> if I was to be secular, I would say something similar, which is not connected to God, you know? Like, how do I stay strong in family? Well, saturate yourself in family. It's, it's an obvious answer, and yet for some reason, um, whenever it comes to God, I just feel like we have this tendency to, as human beings, to, to, to almost be like it can't be that simple. Yeah, like overcomplicate it. Make yeah. it into some sort yeah. of crazy rule list or something. It's like you get the answer that it's God, but then you second guess it and try to fill in the God spot with something else. Yeah. Or people like don't think they're good enough. Yeah, like, like they're afraid or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we've talked a lot about that question. Let's move on. Uh, why should I have a motivation to do things? That is a very complicated question. Um, what do you guys think? Why should I have motivation to do things? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that's a, yeah, a complicated question. And is it, why should I have motivation to, like, is it why should I have motivation to do things? Or is it, why should I have motivation to do things? Yeah, that's why I laughed, because I was <laughs> like, why should I? I, was, I thought of sass. Yeah. Is this a, what's the sa we need a like an indicator here for the sassy meter of the question. Yeah. Like should this be Quentin, read Stop trying to make fetch happen. Oh. It's not going to happen. Okay. The word is sassy, not fetch. Ironically, stop trying to make fetch happen, producer Jasmine. All right. <coughs> Sheesh. That I think that was a sassy drum drum kit, drum I fill. I think so too. Uh yeah, you're going to say, sorry, I interrupted you. Anyway, uh, so I feel like this question is coming at me at a high 90, um, <laughs> get an argument. Okay. But what I would say is, uh, without your motivation to do things, then, uh, you'll easily put yourself in a sinful environment. Um, mm. so, uh, basically uh, when you don't see the point of the product of your activities, then you're gonna fail. You're gonna just be like, screw it, I'm not doing homework. Like, no point, you know? Uh, why even enlist in the military? Why even go to college? Um, so Or go to high school. Yeah, exactly. Why even go to show up high. to school? So without that motivation, um, you're basically the same as a hamster stuck on a wheel and then they don't realize they're in a cage. They're like running and running and running, um, but there's no, no there's like they're blocked without motivation. So are you saying it's reasonable for somebody to ask the the question and feel um, unmotivated without having, you know, a, a deeper truth behind it? Is that what you're trying to say? Right. So basically, I'm thinking that this mind is an active mind because they lack motivation because there's so much things coming at them where it's like, there's no point. It's uh, Ephesians, um, or I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes, where... Okay. Uh, like spitting into the wind. Yeah, and they're thinking about all these different dynamics of life, and yet it never gets there. There's nothing. There's no point. Like, why should I even make myself look good for this person who's just going to judge me anyway? 
um, no motivation. So they're not going to try to look good. In fact, they'll do the opposite. And they'll build a, a, a surrounding of themselves that is not good. It's, people are going to try to avoid it. So, yeah, the lack of motivation um, is going to be the crux of the things that make you fall. What do you think? Well, first thought, the question just made me really sad. Um, just made me feel like the person asking it just doesn't really have any self-worth or, or value or understand who they are in the image of God. And that, like, they're important to God and to society. Um, that's what I've been thinking about. Yeah, that's how I would answer the question, too. Um, <coughs> I would definitely start off with the idea that we're made in the image of God. And so there's just a prop, like, there's a category error with the question, um, why should I have motivation to do things? Uh, it's a little bit like asking, why should a frog jump? Yeah. It's because frogs jump. Um, <laughs> or it's basically asking, like, why should I be alive? Well, that's what it leads to. Yeah. Right, exactly. It does lead to that. I mean, that's that's literally what it leads to. Um, so, but, yeah, basically... To answer the question, why should I? If I'm just to, if I'm just to unpack it um, and just try to answer it on the face of it, the reason why a person should be motivated to do anything is because they're made in the image of God. First of all, God is a, um, he's an actor. No, that's not right. He is an active presence. <laughs> like when you think about God, he's not amorphous like this blob, right? You think about a God who does things. He's a God who creates. He's a God who intercedes. He's a God who steps in. Um, he's a God who speaks. Uh, the list goes on and on, right? There, he's a God of verbs. He does things. Um, a constant storyteller. Yeah. He's constantly yabbing away. And um, we're made in the image of that God. So... Part of that has to do with then what do you do? Like so, then the next question is, um, if if we're made in the image of that God, why should you have motivation to do things? Because that's how you're made. Like you're made to do things because He does things. But then on top of it, then you have to ask, what specifically are you made to do? And um, Specifically, you're made to to extol the virtues of him. Like if you're made in his image, then you're made to act like him. So um, the, the scripture describes that we're supposed to, uh, like Jesus says, we're supposed to love God with all of our hearts and minds and strength. You know, that's a very famous passage. Um, and then we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. So the way that I break that down simply is that we're to love God wholeheartedly and love man tenderheartedly. And the way that we do that is simply by being, um, by loving uh, good things. Um, and we should want to do good things because the things that are sort of morally good are the things that reflect the image of God. 
So when we do that, when we love things that are good, people that are good, uh, nature which is good, so on and so forth, we're actually doing what we're supposed to do. And there's different ways to do that. So when we love, um, like when we love God and his facet as a creator, then we become things like scientists and zoologists and, um, you know, botanists and like, you know, people who study and love these aspects of creation. Um, we become things like artists and painters and stuff because we love his creative side. Like these are, this is who we're supposed to be. And when we do both things, it makes us fulfilled as, as people. And our body actually like shows that, like our body is better um, physically when when we um, pay into that spiritually. Um, and the reason why is because we're wired to, to want to be in, uh, we're wired to want to respond to those things. Like there's a reason why studies show that we get like a hit, a, a hit of dopamine, for instance, when we see somebody that we love, you know? Um, even if that person is like, would have been like ugly to us before or whatever. Um, when we get to know that person, we like respond in our like irises like um, dilate and things like that because our body has an actual positive reaction to um, this construct in our mind about what's good and specifically relationship is good because it reflects a God who is relational and creation is good because or artistry is good because it reflects a God who is artistic. So um yeah, why should I have motivation to do these things? Well, first, because you're made in the image of God. Like, why would why would I have motivation to do anything? Because you're made in the image of God, and God does things. Um, and um, let's see. <sighs> kind of looking, looking ahead, looking at my notes. I had a few other points that I was interested in. Um, yeah. So anyway... Uh, we're, we're made in the image of God. God is relational. Therefore we should be relational. We're made in the image of God. He's creative. We should be creative. Um, that should be enough alone. But then on top of it, we are made to be motivated. Um, so not, we're, we're, we're made to like act we're made to we're made to respond to things um we're made to actuate the image of god within us and god calls us to define that he calls us to define his will for us um and the problem that we have when we're talking about abolition is specifically that we find that our the, the problem even in this question is that what we constantly find is that we run up against the fact that we are unable to fulfill these things. So like, for instance, when we talk about the relationship and we, uh, like a very real problem that people have is, you know, I, I, I want to ask a girl out, but um, every time I ask somebody out, I get rejected. You know, and so it's like, why does it even matter? And what does it say about me? And what does it say about the world? And what's the point, right? And so then, you know, you you sort of don't, you don't want to continue from there. 
Um, why, why is that the case? Well, I would say that it's the case because we live in a fallen world. So we live in this fallen world and things don't work the way we want them to. And so to answer the question of why we should be motivated, well, first we have to under, or I guess second, because this is my second point, believe it or not, um, we have to understand that we live in this fallen world where sin is, and that's sort of the backdrop for it, and that's the framing of the question, why should we be motivated? Well, the only reason we ask that question is because we live in a sinful world where we feel that our motivations don't actually amount to anything. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is um, that in Christ, they do, and they can, and they will. Um, <clears throat> and this this is not a new concept in Christianity. Like, Romans 7 talks about it. Paul notes very specifically, like, I try to do the right thing, but I constantly fail, right? And he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Um, so it's reasonable to have a sense of abolition in this. But the other factor to it is, even though we live in that fallen world, um, where we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because we both practically know that we're going to fail at things, but then we also know that we're made to actually do things that succeed, we need some sort of key to that. And so the last point I would make to that is just that we have a relationship with Christ, um, and that carries weight. That carries weight for, for two reasons. One is that in the work of the cross, we're freed from the um, power of sin, to take hold, so we can actually um, do meaningful things. But second is that Christ gives us uh, what we call the doctrine of adoption, right? He gives us access to, to him and his glory. And so when I do some sort of work that's earthly, that would fade away on its own, that would mean nothing in the cosmos in this very small time that we occupy this earth, um, it means everything in the cosmos because it's about God. And God is infinite, and so it always means something. And so um, that's a really long way to unpack the question, but why should I be motivated to do things? Um, because Christ lives. And that's the <laughs> that is the long and short of it. Uh, and I, uh, because Christ lives and we're made to, 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 to do things. So that's why we should be motivated. Um, yeah. Like partnering up with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> where should we get our motivation? There is a question here, what is motivation? But I, I feel like that's kind of covered. Totally. Um, so where should we get our motivation? So, <sighs> Philippians. So Paul says in Philippians, and I, I believe this is a prison letter. Um, so he's, I think he's in prison when he's writing this letter. Um, so he's being persecuted, and he's telling the he's telling the the church in Philippi, "Hey, like, don't worry about me, right?" That's kind of the context of this letter. So he says in Philippians, in the very first chapter, one twenty one, he says, "To live is Christ, and to die is gain." And I think that basically, where we should get our motivation is again frameworked in the understanding of Christ and what He means, but then specifically, we should live. Our motivation should be to serve God, right? To understand that to live is Christ 
and to die in that framework is actually gain. Mm-hmm. Um, so it means that sometimes we're going to suffer. Sometimes we're going to be in pain. Um, and I think the key here is that people have a tendency to think that all suffering is bad. Like our purpose is not to suffer. But in Christ, number one, we recognize that um, suffering isn't bad in and of itself. In fact, suffering is something that the virtue of is is extolled in Scripture over and over and over again. Again, not to shamelessly plug Hardscribe, but in James, right out the gate, it talks about suffering and says, you know, when you encounter trials of every kind, when you encounter these sufferings, know that they produce this, right? They produce um, patience and endurance. So there's this idea that um, there is such a thing as good suffering. So, you know, I think about Justine over here, and Justine's pregnant watching World, and um, <laughs> and she is about to suffer for her child. Um, not about, she has a while, but still. Mm-hmm. In the cosmic scheme of things, about to. Um, and that suffering is a worthwhile and good pain. Um, so just because something's painful doesn't mean that we we shouldn't want it. It's it's when pain is meaningless that's when we shouldn't want it. Um, so what was the point I was making? Uh, yeah, when, it's where does that where should we get our motivation? In yeah, well, so we should get our motivation from Christ. That means sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. That's the long and short of it. Yeah. Sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable, and and just because it's uncomfortable does not make it bad. Um, in fact, in Christ, we actually have a reason to think that certain suffering is meaningful. That was my that was my point. Mm. Should we move on? We actually yeah, don't I, have that much time left, honestly. I know. Yeah, I, know. I think that's fair. I, yeah, I feel like we could do a few more actually all right um let's hit up how do i get motivation i think we only have three questions left that's good because we only have a couple minutes left (laughs) um how do i get motivation okay so a large part of our motivation has to do with um that overall sense of defeat that we talked about earlier that we just feel like if we keep doing this thing and nothing changes then you know as einstein would say you're crazy um, why would you keep doing that? Um, but again, we're designed with a purpose. We're designed in Christ. We understand that we're designed with a purpose. Um, we understand that we're being sanctified. So we're being cleansed over time and made, uh, better. You can look at James, James chapter one. Again, like I just quoted that tells it all right there that, that there's a purpose for our suffering there's a purpose for when things don't quite work. And I don't want to get into that cliche about the light bulb and how many times it took to make it. But, I mean, even on a secular level, we kind of understand that um, just because something doesn't work the way that we want it to doesn't mean that nothing good is happening. So that's the first point. How do I get motivation? Understanding that defeat doesn't mean um, that it was worth that it was worthless. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is understanding that um, one day we will be acknowledged as, um, you know, good servants if we endure. And that is specifically to Christians. Um, 
But according to the Bible, like one day God is going to say to those who have endured to the end, well done, my good and faithful servants. Um, and that's straight up what Jesus says in Matthew 25. And um, then we have to understand that because Jesus is God and God is infinite in nature, that that this is a truth that can be assumed of our identity once it's um, attained, essentially. So once we're completely sanctified in that process and he says, well done, that means well done forever. Um, so it's not something that we have to keep striving for, but it's something that once we get, it's it's good. We can be assured of that. Um, so there is this knowledge of eternal life. There's this, there's this knowledge of salvation that is something that we can put our hope into because that's really what this all comes down to is this understanding of hope. Um, then we need to lean. So again, how do I get motivation? So I take all these things, then I lean on the truth of God's character as kind of talked about before. And in the truth of God's character um, is the idea that it's not us who makes things happen ultimately. It's God. God is faithful. God is just. Just. Um, you know, the scripture says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, right? So um, God is good. God is just. He and his character will make these things happen. So there's no reason to um, feel defeated when you are trying to do something and feel like it speaks to you like, I'm just so bad. I'm just so dumb. I'm just so ugly. Like all of these lies that we tell ourselves because God doesn't care about those things. And those things don't factor into your identity before God. Um, so then the last thing is um, that it's God who finishes that. You know, as stated earlier, Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So you have to put all of those things together, and that builds your sense of motivation. Um, uh, but you, it's, requiring, it's required for you to confess that you're suffering from that problem, that you're suffering from this sense of abolition where you're like, I'm, I'm done. Like, I just, I can't, you know, and yeah. <laughs> that you have to confess that you are not being faithful to God in that process and allowing him to do that and to take that burden from you. And then, you know, turn to him, um, which is basically repenting. So do we have time for one more? We have a minute and a half. What does producer Jasmine say? <laughs> She's looking at me like, I don't know. We're going to do it. Here we go. Is motivation a form of worship? Um, no, it's not. But it is connected to it. Um, worship is basically what somebody does with their motivation. So it's not motivation. Um, so, for instance, we talked about porn and Porn is, like, somebody can be motivated by lust, but if they don't delve into that, then they're not actually, um, you know, worshiping. So that doesn't mean that they're worshiping porn simply because they have a motivation toward porn, if that makes sense. Um, and it, it works, you know, in another way. In the positive of that example, somebody can be motivated toward God, for instance, I guess this wouldn't be a positive example, but it's in the positive of that example. They can be motivated toward God 
they can have this like sincere want for God, but it also doesn't mean that they actually follow through with that. Mm. And when they don't follow through with that, then they begin to despair, become depressed. And then they, and then because they don't, because they're despairing, because they're depressed, then they don't follow through with it. And so there's this sort of Ouroboros fat bastard. I eat because I'm fat and I'm fat because I eat sort of thing going on there. So no, motivation is not the same thing as the actuation of that motivation. I don't think we have any more time. We have three seconds according to my clock. Um, got anything more? I don't. Well, I do. I just it. do um, it. So I was just thinking about the question before, how do I get motivation? And the question was making me think that it's like something, I don't know, I'm kind of going on some weird thoughts here, but like it's something to like get or like attain in a weird way because then I was going back and thinking about um, yep. um, the dopamine levels and you know, I think it's just important to ask like where you try, like what is your motivation to get motivation in a way, mm. I guess. Like it's and an end goal unto itself. Yeah, and yeah. I guess it's like if you're looking for, because like let's say you were motivated and then you weren't getting like recognized or you weren't getting the likes or you weren't, you know, getting that worldly recognition that you wanted and then you lose your motivation because you're like, well, no one even notices me, no one cares. Like, I guess I'm just not going to do anything. But, you know, in all the answers or the guidance that was given, it's like we don't we don't look for motivation within like the world or within man. It's like we need to get that from God, like from Christ. And so that was just what I was thinking. Yeah, that's a great that's a you got something. I just thought of something. Do it just now. Okay. I just thought of uh, like affirmation from the world as opposed to affirmation from God. Yeah. And so like when you are asking God to make a path clear and then you get that affirmation, you get that clarity. There's nothing else like it that um, any man could say or do for you. Like even like the perfect planner. Um may come up with this huge plan for you that makes sense and it's like no i'm not going to do that but then when that when that plan comes drops down and you can see it in this world um there's nothing that's going to stop you from doing that it's like you've kind of gotten struck well i think that that is i think that both of you are making essentially the same point which was kind of made earlier but let's just make it clear as we close out the show that a sense of motivation should come naturally from an understanding of who you are with God. And that comes at the beginning of your relationship with God. It doesn't come, it doesn't come, you know, after like basically you're on your deathbed. Oh, um, God actually loves me and will accept me into heaven. <laughs> like, like what is that good? Like that doesn't do any good in your life. Like yeah. God wants you to live, um, the, the life that will, best reflect who he is so he sets us up for success and in, in in most cases like a great deal of success and our inability to follow through with that doesn't mean that um he's not telling a story that will be good for you in the end so uh motivation should come as a relational aspect of your relationship with god like the more you understand how much he loves you the more you should be motivated by that love yeah so if you're somebody who suffers from a lack of motivation um 
maybe consider that you should, first of all, confess that that is the case to God specifically, and then sort of take a look at what's going on in your in your thought process and ask yourself if you are um, trying to get that hit of dopamine or you are actually just trying to have a right relationship with a God who, um, you know, will give you that naturally just by being in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So that is our show for tonight. If you want to reach out because of what you've heard here tonight, you can email us. You can text us. Our staff is always available to pray or to talk or to answer questions each Monday night from 9 to 1030. We will be in the office from 9 to 1030 every Monday night, so feel free to reach out. And remember, if you want to donate to our services or learn more about us, you can learn more at abfpdx.org. And please, please, please share this video with anyone who might need it. This is a big issue. Um, And you might be surprised how many people it affects, especially in the younger generations. So um, please share this video with anyone who might need it. And remember to subscribe and, as Jake would say, smash that notification bell to get the latest episode. Um, Speaking of that, we will be back next week. And we're going to be talking about self-esteem or self-identity, self-worth, sort of all of these concepts rolled into one Um, There's plenty of time to get some questions in, uh, and yeah, so that's next week's show. It'll be our second to last show for the year, and so um, be thinking about self-esteem, and then we're going to talk about deconstruction after that, and deconstruction stories, and like people um, losing their faith, and what's going on with that, so, and how that affects people, um, you know, in their inner person. So anyway, um, share this and uh, get us some questions, and we will talk soon. Good night. Stay healthy. Stay vigilant. And cue the disclaimer. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship.